Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Tuesday. A short show to go on today, not a whole lot of news, but the news that is happening today is pretty big. I'm going to be talking about the Ray Fisher Warner Brothers controversy war that's going on between the two of them right now, and I'll have more of that in a little bit. But the first thing that I want to get into is the big news coming out of today, and that is the first trailer for season two of Star Wars, The Mandalorian, has officially dropped online. You can check it out on YouTube, Twitter, wherever you deem necessary or wherever you can find access. It is finally online, and it is not a a big trailer per se or a lengthy trailer, but it's around a minute, minute and a half. It's basically a teaser trailer, and I'm sure we'll probably get one more in October, beginning, middle of October, before it it's October 30th drop on Disney Plus. But what we got in this trailer was pretty good. Basically, it's picking up where the last season left off from season one, in which the Mandalorian has to take the child, aka Baby Yoda, and find it out its origins, take it to its kind, and try to find it to its home. And it seems like it's uncovering those mysteries. And what I really love about this trailer is that it gives you the basic idea of really where we're going with this season. And you kind of saw it in the logo that Lucasfilm and Star Wars released a few weeks ago, in which instead of it being a lone gunslinger kind of show, which the first season was, and John Favreau has said as much, this is kind of like... Uh, a a team up where you're having the child and the Mandalorian be on this journey together and you're seeing kind of that relationship grow and blossom and even though Baby Yoda or the child rather is an animatronic in the few scenes that you see them together in you can just kind of see that bond being developed over time and I really really like that and we're seeing kind of more of maybe Mandalorian grow as a a person as well and that this is going to be kind of that team up that we were anticipating this to be and it has some laughs clearly if you look at the end of the trailer where it seems like they're in this kind of boxing area on some kind of planet the baby yoda sees that some stuff is about to go down and then funny enough he just he says i'm out of here and puts the touches the button and he covers himself up knowing what's about to ensue so that little stuff is the stuff that you really love to see kind of evolve with each season and the story as you move forward and to see kind of it seems like maybe similar planets like we saw Tusken Raider on a Banta which maybe indicates that we're going to get a Tatooine episode like we did in the first season we'll get some new planets it seems like on a on a rainy wet planet and again kind of a city planet and then maybe back onto a familiar one from Mandalorian where we see Cardoon and Grief Karga together once once more with Carl Ruthers and Gina Carano so a lot of interesting stuff but I think the big indication of this trailer is the the mysterious and I think as John Favreau and Dave Filoni have said this season is going to further the mythology more so Star Wars but also the mystery behind Baby Yoda and where he comes from and his origins is 
is he a Jedi? Does he come from a lineage of Jedi like Yoda does or his kind as well? So that's going to be really interesting to see. And the the one shot that we get where it seems like it is of somebody in in a cloaked dark suit or a cloaked suit like a Jedi, it, it showcases that the Jedi are going to be very prominent in this season of the Mandalorian. And I think what's going to be very interesting to see is where does this all fit in? Because what we know from the season, what we heard from the the reports, what we've seen from everything that, that we know up to the point of the Mandalorian is that, again, these this baby does have force powers. And we see another MMA fighter, again, in that cloak suit. I'm trying to pull up the name of who this person is. It's Sasha, Sasha Banks is the the person that you see in that the the cloak, and it indicates that maybe it is hinting that she could potentially be a Jedi, and that the Jedi are going to be very involved in this season. And again, one of the big things that we've heard about this season from rumors and reports is that Ahsoka Tano could potentially play a part in this season being played by Rosario Dawson first time in live action in which she is a big fan favorite from Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. And it seems like one of the things that Sasha Banks was reported to be playing was Sabine from Star Wars Rebels. But again, that's just speculation and reports at this point. It's not confirmed, but it definitely seems like she's playing some kind of mysterious Jedi type. And one of the things that after watching the trailer that kind of put me into speculation mode a little bit was if we are going to get potentially Ahsoka in this season of The Mandalorian, and a lot of people, including myself, have been wondering, with all these reports coming about of all these different characters coming and expanding the Star Wars universe, one thing they could potentially do is that throughout this season of Mandalorian, it really is just this this journey for the child and Mando again, and Mando trying to put the pieces together of where this child really comes from. And then the last episode or two, we finally get maybe Sasha Banks and Ahsoka Tano in the last episode or two, kind of like how we got Moff Gideon with Giancarlo Esposito, in which we were introduced to him in the finale. And maybe the last episode or two focuses on answering the questions about why this child is so important and why the remnants of the Empire are looking for him and why Moff Gideon really wants him. And we didn't see anything of Giancarlo Esposito in this trailer, nothing of the Dark Saber. But again, for a teaser trailer, I think it set everything up for what we're going to get in season two. I thought we got some incredible planets. We got an inclination that the Jedi are going to be a big part of this. Maybe not see them throughout the the season, but the mythology of the Jedi, the mythology of the war between Mandalore and the Jedi could be prominent in this. And we might, we might get flashbacks to that epic ancient war that we heard about. If you're a fan of the greater Star Wars mythology of the Clone Wars, where when we were on the planet Mandalore and you heard about these great epic wars between the Jedi, Jedi and the armies of Mandalore that maybe we could get involved in that a little bit, see flashbacks of that like we got of the Mandalorian's past in season one. So this is exactly following in line with what Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni said in that Entertainment Weekly cover story last week that came out that we're, it's going to expand a lot more and it's going to expand the story. And the interesting question coming into this is going to be, is it going to be more standalone episodes like last season or 
are we going to get more of a thorough line connected story? Which with season one, I didn't really mind the standalone episodes. There was still kind of a thorough line that connected all eight together. And each one kind of is its own separate entity in and of itself. So if it's something like that, I wouldn't really mind it. But at the same time, I would really kind of like something that is more cohesive. And especially now that we have more characters involved, I think it it really warrants following that. And it sounds like that is what we're going to do with Mandalorian, from what Favreau also said about taking inspiration from Game of Thrones, where those episodes, even though they were 10 episode seasons, they focused on individual characters. And we didn't just focus on one singular character for the entire season. So we could get more with Cara Dune, Grief Karg, what they're up to in one episode. And in the following episode, we are back with Mandalorian and the child and their adventure together. So if they bring everything together and tell a story that way, then I'm excited to see what they do. And they know the long game, the end game for where they want to go with this story, which is what you want, especially in a television show. You want to know the overall story for where you're leading audiences so that they know that you're, they're not just taking a, a joyless ride that is really taking them nowhere. They want to know the story that they're getting into. And I think Favreau knows exactly where everything is leading up to. This was a season that was in production in 2019 before the first season ever really came out. So there is an idea for where Favreau really wants to go. And I'm excited for that. And in a world where there's not a lot of entertainment, exciting entertainment for a lot of fanboys out right now with COVID-19, there's been nothing with the Marvel Cinematic Universe as of now. There hasn't been anything with DC. Not a lot of big blockbusters besides Tenet has come out in the last few months. So Mandalorian, for a lot of people that are looking for that big branded content to look out for, The Mandalorian is offering that this year for them. It might be the only thing that that people can look forward to towards the end of 2020. Excuse me. So I think going forward, this could be something that is really special. I think the child is going to be the cultural phenomenon that it was in the first season. It's going to get a lot of memes, a lot of social media account, and that's good for The Mandalorian, which I think deserves it wholeheartedly. And I think especially with the Emmys happening this weekend, and especially with Mandalorian grabbing that nomination for Best Drama, it's just going to give it more momentum moving forward towards its October 30th release date. And it's also, again, like I was saying last week, perfect for Halloween, where if kids, again, socially distancing, going trick-or-treating, can maybe be the Mandalorian for their outfit during Halloween. It's perfect all the way around. And for Disney, this is, I think, their silver bullet right now, where this is the best thing that could happen to them this year, which has been a very big struggle for them. From their the theme park to the movies, Disney Plus has been their one consistent model of success when the pandemic ravaged them and, and millions of others. So I think this is going to be a big boost for a lot of people. I was surprised that it just dropped out of nowhere, and it shouldn't really surprise me because, again, it's Star Wars, it's Mandalorian, people are are excited for this. They don't have to really kind of announce something on uh, an NBA playoff game or even a Monday night doubleheader that they could drop it on there and say, tune into this and watch it. They can just say, you know what, we're going to drop it during on Tuesday morning. People will watch it on YouTube, Twitter, the buzz will go around, and that's all we really have to do. So I'm sure that they didn't want to spend 
spend the marketing dollars on there and they wanted to conserve as much as they could. And this is the easiest thing that they could possibly do for it. And it's funny that I thought it was going to appear on Monday Night Football. And I said, oh, I guess maybe we'll get it maybe next week because I was looking at the listing for next week's game and it said ESPN slash ABC. So I was wondering, well, maybe they'll announce it this week that that is when the Mandalorian trailer will premiere. But again, it's it's a day later than I predicted it, it would be. But nonetheless, an exciting trailer, a great tease to what we're going to get this season. Didn't show a whole lot, showed what we expected it to be, showed some fun, exciting developments in the relationships, especially between the Mando and Child. And so I'm excited for this season. And I was already excited and my level just increased to a whole nother level. And again, bring on, I don't really need to see another trailer, but I'm sure we'll get another one one towards the release date of this show of the season so buckle up for that mando is on the way this is the way of the mandalorian and i'm excited for that and we'll be getting it soon and i'll have all the recaps for the mandalorian when it premieres on october 30th i'll be recapping it reviewing it like i did with the last season and give you all the glorious star wars news that we can possibly muster here on the Sam Bissell podcast. And that's also going to be my Twitter question for today, guys, as it is for a lot of other people. What did you think of the Mandalorian trailer? Is this the way forward for Mando? Did you like it? Did it increase your enthusiasm? It, did it stay the same? Did it decrease the enthusiasm? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts and your comments. And I would really like to know what you think. And moving on to the final bit of movie news that I want to talk about on the Sam Bissell podcast today, and that is the really kind of crazy news that has been coming out in what has really been a brawl between Ray Fisher and Warner Brothers Pictures. And it seems that with this, there seems to be a lot of accountability that is that Ray Fisher wants with Warner Brothers. And to kind of lay down the story of how this really all started, after it was announced that the Snyder Cut will be premiering on HBO Max, about a few weeks after that happened, Ray Fisher came out and publicly said that during the reshoots of the Justice League, which were done by Josh Whedon, because of the tragedy that befell Zack Snyder um, what, do, during the initial shoots that he decided to step away and look after his family, Warner Brothers decided to put Josh Whedon in charge of the reshoots. And we all know what happened if you've seen Justice League, in which it didn't seem like that was the, 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 the picture that a lot of people thought was going to be in 2017, didn't really receive well. And here we are today with another cut on the way into 2021. But during the reshoots of that film, which were originally thought to maybe just be finishing up some major action sequences or brushing up on things that maybe they wanted to pick up when they were editing the film. But when, as reports came out, they actually shot around 80 to 90% of brand new material, basically making a new movie that wasn't what Zack Snyder directed before he stepped down, which is why we're getting the Snyder Cut. But years later, now that we're getting something else, Ray Fisher has now come out and said that there was some sketchy stuff that happened on the set of those reshoots that that Josh Whedon, Jeff Johns, I think it's Greg Berger or John Berg, actually, excuse me. And they there was some things that happened there where he is holding those three accountable for some major mishaps that happened on that set with the cast 
cast and the crew. And over the months since then, Ray Fisher has been putting out little tidbits here and there about things that have really kind of gone on and hasn't really laid out a whole bunch of stuff because he is still under contract with Warner Brothers and he is under an NDA agreement, non-disclosure. So he can't really kind of spill his whole heart out because he would get sued nine times out of 10 and, and incredibly screwed over with Warner Brothers if he were to do that. So he's been laying out cryptic stuff, doing interviews with an Injustice Con and speaking out here and there on social media about it. And then about a month ago, Ray Fisher said that Warner Brothers, or rather Warner Brothers announced that they would be doing internal investigation into the alleged allegations of Ray Fisher. And then it came out a few weeks after that, that Ray Fisher said that he talked to Walter Hamada and uh, Walter Hamada, who was not a part of the regime of DC during the time of when Justice League was being filmed in 2017, Ray Fisher accused Walter Hamada of saying that he would allow Josh Whedon and Berg to kind of be held accountable, but didn't want that for Jeff Johns because he's still heavily involved in the production of a lot of the DC films, specifically what we're getting with Wonder Woman 1984, supposedly in Christmas this year, but he's still heavily involved in this universe. And Ray Fisher went out and said that, well, we, Jeff Walter Mata is doing this, but he isn't holding everyone accountable. And then Warner Brothers came out lightning quick afterwards to defend Walter Hermata and then added on that Ray Fisher was not cooperating with the investigation. And then Ray Fisher fired back after that and said that the that the investigation, he was going forward with it, he was cooperating, but that there was some mishaps involved in the investigation, which it seems like the third party investigator might be associated with Warner Brothers. And the, the pictures, mind you, this isn't involved with Warner Media, but this is involved with Warner Brothers Pictures, which is the the film div- division, the film branch of that conglomerate. And so Ray Fisher saying, well, if you are having somebody on the line with me, I need to have representation on as well. So he sent out a blast email to all of his social media followers showcasing that this is exactly what happened. He needed to have sag after representation on before he is able to talk to somebody. And then during this whole thing as it's going out, and I've said it a few times, and I think others have been asking, well, where is the support coming from everybody else? And it might be a little bit difficult for people to come out and say stuff because Jason Momoa, Gal Gadot, they're still major, major players in the DCEU moving forward. Aquaman grossed a billion dollars. Wonder Woman didn't gross a billion, but still was a huge box office critical success in 2017. It really kind of paved the way for superhero female-driven films going forward. And she's a big icon and people could say the face of the DCU as of right now. So there was a lot of complications in that maybe of, well, they can't really say all that much. And like Ray Fisher is still under contract, they also have NDAs in place as well. And their, their stars are just shining a little bit brighter right now. And their faces are a little bit more well-known in the DC universe right now. So it might be a little complicated for that. Well, it seems like Jason Momoa instead instead initially came out and said on Instagram that he stood with Ray Fisher. So did the actress who was supposed to play Iris West Allen in Justice League, and she'll be a part of it in the restored version of the Snyder Cut of JL. So she said that she stood with Ray Fisher as well. And 
it's kind of devolved a little bit more since then in which Ray Fisher is now coming out and saying that Warner Brothers is trying to combat what Ray Fisher has been putting out every single time that he puts out information about Justice League. Warner Brothers counteracts with an announcement from either the DCU or with a star from the DC Universe. And it all started last night where Jason Momoa again came out on Instagram and said he stood with Ray Fisher. There needs to be accountable or accountability held with the with, with the members who were a part and the heads of the Justice League reshoots. Again, Jeff Johns, Josh Whedon, and Berg. And that there needed to be some accountability held. And the surprise in coming out of that post from Instagram was the fact that there was a announcement made when Ray Fisher was, was talking about these comments that according to Deadline, Warner Brothers was making a Frosty the Snowman film with Jason Momoa and that Greg Burr and Jeff Johns were going to be producing it. And at the time, again, I, I kind of just took it as, oh, I guess they're making this film, which is, when you think about it, is, is very, very odd. But again, nonetheless, okay, why not? But apparently when Momoa put this out last night, it was apparently a fake story that they put out the deadline and that it really isn't happening. It was just something to potentially counteract what Ray Fisher was doing. And then earlier today, Ray Fisher put out something else as well in which on the day that Ben Affleck, the, the Vanity Fair story broke out on Vanity Fair in which Ben Affleck was coming back for the Flash movie, that same day, Ray Fisher spoke about the accountability again about Justice League. And so it seemed like Warner Brothers was trying to counteract that. And Ray Fisher said that that Warner Brothers was supposed to announce Ben Affleck being back in the Flash at DC Fandom. So it's just an ever-evolving situation that is going on between this war with Ray Fisher and Warner Brothers at this particular moment in time. And at the very beginning of all this, I was like, well, I don't know what Ray Fisher's doing here. I, there's nobody else that has said anything against Josh Whedon and the people that were are being held responsible for what happened. But again, everything has evolved into something else completely now. And again, I have no reason to not believe Ray Fisher at this point because now he does have support from people that have said some stuff has gone on and you really have not heard anything except for Berg. He has come out and denied this vehemently, but Jeff Johns and Josh Whedon have not come out and said anything about these remarks. And when I've gone back to look at the press junket, the press tour for Justice League, and Josh Whedon was not on that at all. He wasn't even mentioned in any of the the questions. Well, I shouldn't say that. He was he was asked stuff at a press conference, but it was more about the filmmaking aspect, but there was nothing else really about Josh Whedon, and you haven't heard from him for years, really, at, at all. I, I really haven't heard any directing announcement for Josh Whedon at all, ever since he did Justice League and was supposed to do a Batwoman film or a Batgirl movie. So I can't really see what, what Josh Whedon or their side of the story is, but Ray Fisher seems like he has the cachet to back all this stuff up, and he has muscle, literally has muscle behind him now that can back him up as well. The one thing that I would say about this story is the last thing that I talked about with the Ben Affleck thing, and the thing that Momoa came out with 
was very interesting. And, and I can believe that because the Frosty the Snowman thing always sounded ridiculous when I was saying it and thinking about it. And I talked about it on the podcast, but it just sounded ridiculous in my mind if I still went on with it. The thing with the Ben Affleck situation though, in terms of Warner Brothers came out with that story and it was supposed to be on DC fandom, that's going a little bit into conspiracy a little bit for me in that way. I can understand where the timing is definitely is definitely peculiar and you could see that the timing is a little off, but it couldn't have been a part of the DC fandom unless they completely re-recorded that panel in a matter of days because that week when when Ben Affleck was announced to return for the Flash movie as Batman that week was when DC fandom was supposed to happen and on the panel there was nothing mentioned in it at all but with a lot of the stuff that was recorded for DC fandom that seemed like it was recorded weeks ago before the 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 event even happened and some I remember reports saying that they were filmed a month or two before the event occurred so I don't think that that aspect of it is solidified I think that that could go either way and so that part of it is a little I think going to conspiracy a little bit but everything else from what Ray Fisher has pointed out it seems like some things have gone on and and he has mentioned some things with Jeff Johns where Jeff Johns belittled him and talked about how he bragged to Ray Fisher that he had his own cyborg cast for Doom Patrol and that it basically seemed like he could be replaced at any given moment in time and that what makes it really bad as well is that, and I'm not really sure Josh Sweden defending him for a second maybe was thinking about this at a race point, but from what we've heard about Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League is that Ray Fisher's cyborg, Victor Stone, had a huge part in the film and was really the heart of the story. And when you look at the Justice League film that came out in 2017, it seems like a lot of stuff that was cut out of the movie was a lot of Ray Fisher, Cyborg, and even The Flash a little bit. And it was more focused on Wonder Woman and Batman and a little bit of Aquaman as well. But mainly a lot of stuff was cut from The Flash and and Cyborg. And again, I don't know if if that was where Joshua was saying, I need to cut out Ray Fisher. I, I don't know if that was that or not, but... It you could definitely there's a lot more to this than meets the eye and this isn't gonna stop anytime soon. This is gonna keep this is gonna keep evolving to something where again Ray Fisher has said that he doesn't care if he doesn't get another job. He he has put on every single tweet that he comes out against Justice League and, and Warner Brothers that accountability is greater than entertainment and and that is correct. You want to hold people accountable, especially in the times that we live in right now and i think for him the the crazy thing is that warner brothers and and ray fisher were in negotiations for him to come back as cyborg in the flash movie going back to what barbara machete was saying yesterday when i was talking about her flash comments made at the fandom this past weekend of that it's going to be big film filled with a lot of characters and it sounds like we're going to get two batmans again michael keaton and ben affleck we could be getting potentially momoa back or ray Fisher coming back as Cyborg. We could be getting other characters. So this is like the little mini Justice League team up that we could be getting. And if they want him back, then this is just going to make things maybe a little bit more complicated. So I really don't know how this is going to
kind of end. And going off the point of the the Snyder Cut for Justice League, when the press tours start coming out for that project next year, and this is still going on, the press is going to want to ask questions about it. And will Ray Fisher have the freedom without his contract to talk about some of these things? Or will it be over at that given point in time? I really don't know. So there's a lot of interesting factors still at play here with this story, and it is only going to keep evolving from this particular moment in time. So I'll be having updates for you on it as it keeps going, and it'll be very interesting to to see where this all leads down the line. But guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Again, a short episode, but I'll come back tomorrow. There'll be some things to get into the news about, but there was not a lot of stuff at the recording time of this podcast, so I'll make sure to come back with a lot more stuff for you guys tomorrow. But thank you again for tuning in, and be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Along the way, you can also check out these other awesome shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Addict Radio, Fretzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, make sure to follow me on social media when you get a chance. You can find me on Twitter at Bessel Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. Again, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook at Sam Bissell. Thank you guys again so much. And until next time, keep on screening. <laughs>